We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there. We at BlueWire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out bluewirepods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Blue Wire. Breaking news, Terry Rozier. He'll be the next starting point guard of the Charlotte Hornets. Step back, wide open, and it's good, Terry Rozier! All right, what's up, everyone, and welcome in to another BuzzBeat, your favorite Charlotte Hornets podcast. This episode is brought to you by our partners, Bet Online. Visit betonline.ag. On today's podcast, we're going to get into more college prospect discussion, uh, which might be a surprise to you all as I am on the podcast. Uh, Brian and Spencer dragged me into this, uh, and we're going to get into three players that can be considered sleepers, players that might be projected to go mid to late first round but could creep up and and by the time the draft rolls around they could get closer to the late lottery but we'll get into that after we introduce brian and spencer here guys what uh what day are we on the quarantine here i've lost count 40 right (laughs) is it 40 40 40 days without sports i'm pretty sure Forty days before, you, like how many days since the Rudy, Rudy Gobert uh, yeah. Mitchell saga started? Or <laughs> yeah, it, that was March 11th, and here we are on uh, yeah. April 21st. So 40, 40 days ago. Pretty crazy to think about, honestly, because some days I'm like, man, it feels like we've been in this forever, and every day goes yeah. by really slow. And then the other days I'm like, man, I can't believe it's already been 40 days. You know, it's, yeah. it's kind of a weird feeling. It, uh, you know, this is sort of relevant, but um, in, in prep for this podcast, I was going back through some of the notes that I took on Sadiq Bay from Villanova when I when I watched a couple of his games. You know, he was probably like the fifth or sixth guy that I went through during quarantine as far as like a deep dive on. And it was just so weird to pull up these notes from, you know, late March or whatever. You're like, man, it, like, it just... I can't tell if this was two months ago or two days, two weeks ago, you know, like it, 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 time is at a standstill. It seems like, which makes when you sort of like pan out a little bit, thinking about the passage of it is, uh, is, is like a little weird. So, but, um, but, uh, how are you guys, you guys hanging in there? All right. Family's doing, doing well and stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, health wise, everybody's doing well in my family and, uh, balancing, you know, life and, and work has been an adjustment, but, like, like we talked about last week, it just feels like every day is the same day. We go on the same walks every day. It just seems like, <laughs> you know, it's, it feels like it's been longer than 40 days, Brian. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Mean. Yeah. I know. I know exactly what you mean about the same walks, Richie. I mean, I know like where every pothole is from here and the, the four mile <laughs> yeah. walk, I go with my dog every day and where yeah. every piece of pollen on the pavement lies. Yeah. And, yeah. I, I'll tell you this too. I've never been so excited for an NFL draft. I cannot wait for Thursday it, night. It, dude, <laughs> it's so funny. You say that normally I don't care about this. Cause it's like, it's during the playoffs. It's, you know, we're getting ready for the mm-hmm. NBA draft. There's things I care about more. You know, I, I keep, I keep an eye on who the Panthers pick and what ACC guys go, 
but yeah, like I, I'm excited uh, for Thursday. I'm like a little annoyed with myself as to how excited I am for <laughs> for Thurs for Thursday night. It's uh, it, it's kind of dumb, but I'm gonna like. You know, I'm going to live blog it for ACC sports. And there's only going to be like three or four ACC guys drafted in the first round. Well, one of them might be a, a Panther. I, I think Simmons to the Panthers. Yeah, could be. yeah you could definitely see Isaiah. And, I mean, he's my he was my favorite player in college football last season. And um, after so many guys that I really liked left the Panthers the last two years, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Zay Simmons head to the uh, the Queen City. I would love that. Any quick predictions? It, it seems like Derek Brown for Carolina. Yeah, that and just a ton of Alabama and LSU guys getting picked too. Yeah. Just yeah. like an insane amount. It's just going to be weird to see them do a draft like that's not televised and in person. They they, they stole our idea <laughs> for the last podcast when we yeah. did a draft on. Uh, yeah, serious. Yeah, exactly. I did. Um, well, the NBA better, better. I'm sure the, I'm, I am certain the NBA will be monitoring this because even though the NBA draft isn't the monstrosity that the NFL draft is fewer teams, way fewer rounds, less movement, just the volume is so much smaller, but um, yeah, I'm sure they're going to be watching this too, just to see how like the remote broadcasts, you know, looks like, you know, just in case, depending on how things go. I know we've got, two months until the NBA draft is scheduled uh, in theory, but right. um, you know, who knows, who knows what the world's going to look like in, you know, 65 days from now. So um, I'm sure they will be keeping an eye on this as well. I'm kind of hoping one of these old coaches or GMs or whatever has like tech issues or something yeah. like that, you know, you know, like that you know something like that's going to happen. I kind of feel bad <laughs> for the NFL to kind of have to walk the plank first, you know, cause it's yeah. all the, all the mess ups and all the mistakes that, that every other league will get to learn from. Of course, the hockey yeah. draft was last week. I mean, I didn't tune into that, so I don't know how well, that went. But, WNBA uh, have the same thing, right? Yes, that was that was last week too, actually. Yes, yeah. it was. Okay, that seemed to actually go. ESPN did that, and that actually seemed to go really, really well, mm -hmm. and got crazy good ratings. So that's yeah. awesome. That bodes well for the NFL draft. So like Brian mentioned, yes. Sadiq Bay is going to be on this episode. Each of us is going to introduce a prospect. And we're going to talk about him and how we view him as as a prospect, and, and if we can kind of see them rising in the ranks here. So we'll we'll start off with Sadiq Bay, uh, sophomore from Villanova, kind of a small forward, power forward, switchy defender, six eight, uh, two hundred and sixteen pounds, and he is going to be twenty one years old by the time of the supposed draft. The Bay for three. I'm actually going to start with his negatives, and I think these are the ones that are pretty obvious to people. He is not a quick and explosive athlete. Like when you see him on your screen, he's not blowing by anyone. Uh, he's not getting all the way to the rim and, and just making all these dunks. Whatever it may be, he does not have that athleticism that jumps off the page to you. But he does a couple of things to kind of combat that in terms of his strength and his build to fend off defenders or his strength in his build to create space on the offensive end. I think his handle is, is passable. He can dribble and drive, but he's not going to get past anyone, like I said, and create a lot of space, but he can keep his defender on his back a little bit and create that space. He is a really good shooter from behind the arc, shot 45% for Villanova last year. And I, I think his shot's a little funky. Like it's, it's very elongated. It's not the quickest. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of a Gerald Wallace slash Leandro Barbosa kind of combination there. Like it's not the smoothest, but it goes in. So I think a lot of times we talk about shooting form and I, I think in the grand scheme of things, if it's going in and it's working and you can replicate it and it doesn't have many issues, I don't think it's that going to be that big of a deal on the next level. He's more of a catch and shoot guy, but he can play with the ball in his hands. He's just not going to get downhill and blow past you. I think where you're going to see the most value for Bay is on the defensive side and him being able to switch across multiple positions. I would say three and four to be sure, uh, but he could probably switch on to some twos and ones as well. I think he's a smart player, low turnover player, and uh, he's definitely a guy that we talked about prior to the recording that doesn't have the highest of ceilings, but I think maybe his floor is a little bit higher or on the, you know, the medium side here where 
he's not going to wow you by any means, but he's going to come in and be a solid pro. So I'm, I'm going to pass this off to you, Brian. What are your thoughts on Sadiq Bay? Because you did mention him prior to uh, us kind of getting into this discussion. Yeah, I, I don't totally dislike Bay. Uh, his shooting numbers are, are too good to just uh, ignore. They're they're ridiculous. He was third nationally um, in catch and shoot efficiency this year uh, with 100 plus attempts. Number four of that was John Petty, and we'll talk about his teammate uh, a little bit more on the in, the in the podcast here later on. Yeah, I think Bay had sort of emerged earlier in the season, uh, along with Aaron Neesmith from Vanderbilt as far as like the two best sort of high profile movement shooters uh, in the class. And uh, I think if you watch those two a fair amount, Neesmith is, is, you know, hands down Mm. the better player um, or the, the more appealing prospect. I think at this point, Desmond Bain from TCU is probably leaped uh, Bay just in terms of movement shooters. Uh, You know, they list Bay at six, eight. And I remember, I remember when this guy was coming out of high school because he actually uh, was initially at an NC State commit and then uh, got out of that uh, and ended up going to Villanova. So things worked out well for him. I don't even think he's my favorite pro prospect that was on Villanova's roster this season. Uh, I kind of kind of like Jeremiah Robinson Earl a, a decent amount too. But Bay, some versatility because of his size. I don't feel – I mean, I'd love to know w- what he actually measured at with height and wingspan and stuff like that because I feel like even though he has decent strength, he – it doesn't come across as a super long, uh, you know, rain, you know, super uh, a- active defender. I guess I should say. I think he plays sort of right to his height, but not above it with like a plus wingspan or anything. As far as his handle goes, like Richie said, I-, I think it's mostly okay. I don't think he's comfortable driving into uh, tight spaces or being defended tightly. I think there are times you see him. You know, he just seems a little more comfortable going back to back to the basket almost. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, like if he gets a slight advantage, even then, even if he has a little bit of a gap, like he'd still rather uh, be able to like post up or put his back into a, an opponent before uh, fully committing to a drive to the rim. Um, his stocks numbers were were not Low. great this season. Um, you know, one point one block rate, one point four percent steal rate. I think he struggled in space against uh, sort of like twitchier defenders too. I, I think he's a fine team defender. Like he's sound uh, occasionally ball watches some too. I think your hope for this guy is that he becomes a, a capable three and D player. And, and I think, I think that's a possibility for Sadiq Bay. I just, I, I think that's a, that's a, that's something you're going to seek later in the draft like this guy is not Devin Vassell and he's as far as three and D prospect and he's certainly not you know certainly not Devin Vassell and he's nor is he Aaron Neesmith in terms of movement shooters so he's like in you know at least one tier below both those guys or multiple tiers uh maybe so yeah that's where I'm at with Bay he doesn't move the needle a ton for me I think he's an okay passer inside uh 15 feet and yeah he did even though i was sort of knocking the low uh stocks numbers he occasionally created event, events and, and had had blocks and steals and um he shot really well and his transition effective shooting numbers are are incredible you know he found catching shoots on the break i think he was above 75 percent effective shooting in transition so yeah uh, i think when this guy has space to get off a shot it's going to go in a lot right but, um but like richie said there is a there's a wind up there's a process and he needs he needs a clean pocket to be able to even get the shot off too spencer i'll let you jump in here real quick but kind of going back to your point brian about he likes to back down and i think a lot of that is due to the fact that he's not creating that space off the dribble and you know nova tried to get him into you know opportunities where he comes from the corner grabs the dho and gets downhill and creates that space but more often than not when you see him driving in the lane he's got a guy on his hip but he is smart enough to know if that guy is smaller than him he's going to back him down in the post and he has a really good drop step that i've seen on multiple occasions on highlight reels and 
you know, defenders have got to be aware of that when he's backing you down. He's a, he's a smart player in that sense, and he's got to be crafty in ways because he lacks that explosive athletic ability. And I just wish that he could get all the way to the rim and get more dunks. He only had 21 dunks on the season, but he just doesn't have that explosion. And I think that's why a lot of people are low on Bay because he just doesn't wow you. He doesn't jump off the page. Let's get to a break real quick, and then Spencer, we'll get your thoughts on Bay. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think that there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations that you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor. Big Brother, American Idol, Stock Prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. But online, your online wagering solution. All right, Spencer, I want to hear from you and uh, your thoughts on Bay. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I don't think he is a great athlete. Uh, I think that his shooting numbers have inflated his stock quite a bit. I like him as a player. I think he's a very smart player. Um, I can see why Jay Wright wanted him at Villanova. He's a he he really is kind of a glue guy, to be honest with you. I mean, on both ends of the floor, um, he plays well within the system. Uh, and Villanova, we've talked about this before, runs one of the best systems on both ends. You know, I think so. But yeah, just his athleticism, it, it, it's, it doesn't blow me away. He's heavy-legged. He's a little bit stiff. Um, I, I would say defensively, though, again, he plays so well within the system. He's rarely out of position. He doesn't gamble. Um, and he's got the upper body strength to, to hang in there against bigger players. I mean, you can't post this guy up and move him. You know, So as a wing, that, that's where you see him being able to – you know, switch across at least three positions, you know, if not four, um, you know, he's going to get blown by, I think by smaller guards, a, a guy we're going to talk about a little later, you know, Kira Lewis. I mean, Bay's not the kind of versatile defender to stay in front of quick guards like that. And, you know, his shooting stroke going back to that, which I think is, you know, Brian mentioned earlier, he was third in the country in, in, in effective shooting. I, I just, I don't, I don't think that stroke translates to the NBA to a 45% clip. It, he does rip it across his face just a little bit uh, when he catches it. Uh, you know, when it's off the bounce, he rips it across, across his face a little bit more. When it's a catch-and-shoot opportunity, it's definitely smoother. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where you mm-hmm. can really unlock some potential for him. But And it's flat, and he doesn't get much lift. He doesn't really jump high <laughs> on that. So I, I wonder in the NBA how often he's going to be able to get that get that off. Um, you know, I, I look at this guy, and I, I think like a Solomon Hill type of player maybe if he if he even if he strikes on some of the things that he's going to need to to be an effective nba player solomon hill battled injuries but i just don't see a lot of upside for a guy that has been mocked in the late lottery um depending on what you're looking at that seems just absurdly high for me uh i see bay as maybe a late first rounder maybe even a second round kind of talent um he was 21 years old so a little perplexed of where he's going in, in some of these mock drafts but again i just think it it depends on if you believe that shooting stroke is real or not and i don't yeah. really think it is I think people are seeing that the shooting numbers and uh, in the in the in the size and and from that they're they're sort of projecting out. A couple other quick numbers on Bay uh, shooting off the dribble. These are dribble jumpers in the half court this season under thirty percent raw field goal percentage, thirty four percent effective shooting. Again, much better off the catch, but. 53% on post-ups, like we talked about. He's pretty good shooting on the block this year. And uh, 58% shooting uh, at the rim in the half court. Those are, like, again, the shooting numbers are are there, are, are mostly solid. It's just um, he better be able to shoot at a high clip on the, on the next level because offensively there's not – a whole lot else to fall back on, even if the defense yeah. was was perhaps better than we're expecting it to be, too. Yeah, and, and offensively, and we talk a lot about his shooting, and 
he's not going to kill you um, because he can put it on the deck. He's not going to go buy many players, but he can put it on the deck. He can get his big frame into you. And you guys talked about this earlier. He'll back you down, mm-hmm. use that little, you know, right shoulder, low, left shoulder, low herky jerky action to get into the lane, get a foot in the paint. And when he gets it there, he's got good passing instincts. I mean, he can find yes. o- open teammates. I mean, that's yes. probably a little bit of an underrated skill of his, but my thing is just look, here's a 21 year old player who's not very athletic. The only thing you can really write home about is his shooting if you believe in it. So, what are the, are the accolades that are getting in him into a, a late lottery prospect area? I, I just, that's what I don't see. A bad draft like this one. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. No, but you guys, you guys talk about going for upside versus going for a sure thing type of prospect. And clearly this guy is not an upside type of prospect. He's more of a guy that you know what you're getting on the next level. And, and I, I actually a little bit higher than on, on him than you guys are. And I think that his shooting will translate on the next level. But you guys always talk about that. But then again, you're a little bit lower on Bay. So what makes Bay a little bit different in that sense where you know what you're getting with him, but it just it doesn't seem like you guys are – necessarily high on him you know what I mean so like it he's the type of guy like a PJ Washington where he's a high floor type of guy or you would think I I saw yeah and that's exactly kind of who I was thinking of here Richie I mean I saw Washington scouted him last year as a guy who actually had some like athletic ability and and could play up a position um you know he, he learned to shoot the ball in his last year at Kentucky I mean there was some like not nuclear upside but there was some very clear upside there I thought positionally for for PJ and I think we saw some of that this year with we did. He, was, he was good as a yeah. small ball five this year you know what I mean yeah, yeah. the, the, the numbers some of those numbers lineup numbers are are, are pretty good actually that's just not, I just don't see any of that potential with yeah. a guy like Sadiq Bay, and he's not the same body or build or, or even yeah. height as B.J. Washington. But I saw a ceiling with Washington. I, I just don't see here with Bay. And in fact, I think that the floor could fall out under him. The, and the other thing too is Bay. And again, I, I actually I like Bay because I'm a sucker for for shooters. Um, he's just one of those guys that it, like once you put the tape on, um, I don't know. It's like it doesn't quite meet. What, what I'm hoping to see didn't meet the the raw data as far as like what my expectations were. And I think one of the things that's worth remembering too is that while Bay, solid team defender, play in the system, PJ was, as a prospect, an excellent help defender. Like, I mean, that, that was one of the things that we talked about a lot leading into the draft and right after the draft last season, PJ was an excellent help defender his sophomore year at Kentucky elite. I thought in, in some of their games and I wouldn't put Bay in that kind of, of, of category as far as they help. Like he's a fine team defender, but, um, but PJ, I thought even on that end of the court uh, had another level uh, above wherever you could project Sadiq defensively this season. So it seems like um, the athleticism yeah. is holding him back. Like that's yeah. one of the biggest things I, to you guys. Agreed. And to Brian's point, real quick, like if we considered, because I think that we considered PJ Washington to be like a, a, a average to slightly above average athlete when when we were dra- kind of talking yeah. about him before the draft. If, if that's a consideration, then to me, Sadiq Bay is a poor to extremely <laughs> poor athlete. No, yeah. Seriously, no, no, I'm no, not no, even no, trying yeah. to be funny. You know, if if that's the comparison we're using. Right. Apples to apples there. Yep. Yeah. That's the barometer we have for PJ Washington. Then yeah, I think I would agree. So let's actually transition to uh, Brian's prospect that he's going to introduce Patrick Williams, Florida state freshman, actually from Charlotte. Yeah, this is a guy that I can say I, I watched every second of, of Pastor Williams this season. Um, he's young and really young for his class. He's only 18. He doesn't turn 19 until August 6'8", 225 pounds. Um, in terms of build, he's really impressive, thick, athletic, can run, um, has some some side to side. You know, some of his movement patterns are a little weird, but for the most part, I think he's a pretty fluid athlete. ACC six man of the year, all freshman team two didn't actually start a game for Florida state this year. It was funny. Cause like uh, I watched every FSU game and um, man, they really, the, the term of oh, this team comes at you in waves is, is overused. But with FSU, it was so true because it, they'd get off to a hot start and then do a line change and throw Patrick Williams in and you're, it, your head's spinning because one of the top 
25 prospects in the country just walked on the floor for them uh, as if they could get one more athlete uh, on the court. But um, yeah, Pat Williams, only player in the country this season with 20 plus dunks, 80% shooting from the free throw line and a 5% block rate. Uh, going back to the 07, 08 season, only 30 other guys have hit those numbers, including uh, Matisse Thibel, DJ Wilson, Carl uh, Anthony Towns, Grant Williams, and KJ McDaniels. Um, I think he's pretty safely one of the top 20 guys in the draft. I don't think he necessarily has star potential, but he just seems like a guy that's going to come in once he gets his feet underneath him, he's going to quickly become a solid uh, role player, rotation player in the NBA. It feels like a guy that you can um, you can guard a bunch of different positions. And while he may, may never be a stopper, he's going to be good for you as a team defender. And again, while I would not feel super comfortable starting him out against threes, I think he's a four on, in, the, in the NBA. He can certainly guard. He can guard threes. He guarded one through five this season at Florida State, which we talked about with Devin Bissell, too, and all of their switching. I just think he looks like the modern NBA forward, a three and a half. Good length, not like outrageous length, but good length, strong, powerful. Um, mostly played the, the four at Florida State this season, but again, they switched uh, a lot. And if you do like him at the three, there is some off the dribble and some pick and roll to his game, but even that's sort of limited. That's like, you know, one, two, three dribbles shot. Or one, two, three dribbles, keep the ball moving. I feel like it's um, typically like a mid-range shot. Like, am, am I mistaken there? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I'm saying, like, you know, one to two dribbles, pull up. Yeah. Um, as opposed to like Pat Williams, you know, breaking you down and getting all the way to the <laughs> rim or whatever. But um, 1.5 dunks per 40 minutes this season, and, and a couple of dunks he had this season were just flat nasty. Uh, go back and watch the game when they played Tennessee earlier in the year, and he comes in from the the help side corner knocks the ball out, gets a steal, and then just goes down and throws it down on the other end over uh, Pons from Tennessee, who was a pretty pretty damn good shot blocker, by the way, too. Uh, 56% shooting in the half court at the rim. And then I'll, I'll pass it off to you guys so we can circle back to a few other things. Yeah. But as far as the shot goes, smooth, high release. Um, mechanics are solid, good balance. He gets high off the court like – Check out him where how high he gets off the court on some of those pull-up looks. Like he he explodes and again has a pretty high, high release too. So, you know, I don't think he projects to being like an elite three-point shooter, but I think he's a guy that's going to be comfortable taking volume threes and making in the mid to high 30s, you know? Yeah. And you can play off of that with his ability to shoot from the corners, his ability to pick and pop and and uh, shoot from above the break, I think will eventually come. Obviously that free throw shooting number is a great indicator yeah. for him as he projects out to the next level too. Yeah, 84% there, and that that's a, always a good barometer or a good projection as to how he may do behind the arc. I, I will agree with you that he does have a smooth release, a high release. He does have a high arc on his shot as well, but I feel like his release is a little bit slow, uh, so getting that shot off in a quick manner when people are chasing you down could be an issue. He was only 16 of 50 on three-point attempts this year. Things I do like about Patrick Williams, it's almost like I would want to combine some of uh, Patrick Williams and Sadiq Bey together because some of his attributes uh, mesh very well with Bay. Like, he has a good block rate, good steal rate, very bouncy athlete. I mean, it it's kind of sneaks up on you considering his bulk and his size. I think on the offensive side, like Brian was saying, he may be able to kind of pull up for that occasional mid-range jumper, but he's not someone that you would want to put the ball in his hands all that often. I feel like he excels kind of in that dunker spot, running baseline to baseline, baseline to corner. He understands gaps and space and, and when to cut. And I think over time, he's going to have to develop some kind of game uh, with the ball in his hand, especially considering if he's not hitting his threes. On the defensive side, like I just mentioned, his blocks, his steals really stood out to me as, as a team defender coming weak side. And uh, yeah, I just think that he's a bouncy athlete. And if you can put it all together offensively, uh, you definitely have a prospect because he is young, like Brian mentioned. He's 18 years old. He just needs to develop that shot from behind the arc or a little bit more of that mid-range. Yeah, I, I like Patrick Williams too. I mean, certainly he's a you know a basically the youngest American player in this draft, which I think is gonna pack a lot of intrigue for him. Um, you know, I agree with Brian. He's he's I think in this draft, it's a no brainer that he's a top twenty player. I wouldn't be shocked if he told me he gets drafted in the lottery. You know, before this thing's Same. all said and done. You know, I, I don't think he has major major upside, but. 
this is a really strong looking six eight um 18 year old <laughs> you know so y- you got to think that there's more to tap into there and i think that that is that is what will be the real indicator and in how high he might be able to climb in this draft is you know he's one of the youngest players here are there ball skills we can tap into how much more development can we get out of it out of this kid so but yeah you know he shot i i don't it, the numbers don't look great. I agree with you guys. The stroke, there's there's really nothing wrong with it. He does get phenomenal lift on it. You know, wasn't the most willing shooter at Florida State last season, but you can understand that. He was young. He was a freshman. His, you know, his defensive potential is, is where it really all is right now. What a great just help help side, you know, shot blocker at the rim. Uh, he's got really good help instincts. Florida State had to. They played this scramble defense. Is, I mean, it's like watching – uh, a bunch of guys that <laughs> just got uh, released from prison or something. Like you have to win this basketball game, or you're going back to prison. Like they just scramble and help and sprint at the ball. It's it's really it was fun to watch that team uh, play defense last season, and he he messed right into that. So yeah, I like Pat Williams. You know, I would I would say I would love him for the Hornets. Uh, if you've imagined this scenario where they might try to trade back, they are a little uh, crowded at that theoretical position right now but you know i think if you're the hornets and somehow you find yourself picking at 14 15 16 something like that this would be a really good pick i mean he's versatile enough to where you can find a position for him especially where the where charlotte is right now with their with their rebuild yeah i think if a team like dallas could like find their way to pat williams he'd be like a, a great fit there you know what i mean going for with with Doncic and um and Porzingis and, uh, and, and Maxi Kleba. Like, I think, uh, you know, I mean, Orlando already has so many of these guys, too, these big, rangy forwards. But, like, he's Orlando's type. <laughs> that is uh, – that that's for sure. But, yeah, 84% shooting on free throws, uh, 42% of, uh, shooting off the dribble, um, which is pretty good. Again, like, I like his ability to, to pick and pop or pick and slip into space and then jab and put on the court once or twice and get to his mid-range pull-up game. Uh, as you guys were sort of saying, too, he is, despite his youth, such uh, it's crazy how strong he is, right? How how well put together he is well, in terms of his frame. Like, he's not, he's not skinny at all. He's solid. And, um, you know, FSU didn't really post him up at all this year. Uh, Synergy credits him with, with zero post-ups actually. So I do think that is the one potential avenue to sort of like one-on-one creation scoring is, uh, mm-hmm. is can he get stronger? Can he get more explosive? And is there some sort of post-up game where if he catches a switch, you know, can he take that guy to the, to the block or back him down a couple times and get to the, the mid post and, and draw a foul and get to the line where he is a, a very good free throw shooter, uh, 50% effective shooting off the catch. Um, he did have, I think it was the Clemson game. One of the Clemson games this season where the ball got swung to him in the corner and like he put up a three quickly. I don't think he made it, but it was one of those times this year where you were like, okay, he has it in him. Like they're like, whatever the restrictor is on him that's preventing him from like shooting more of these or getting shots up more quickly from the perimeter. I think all of this is like, is team and seniority based where not only he was literally the youngest guy on this roster that was led by veterans and, and future NBA players, but he was totally selfless this year. Like if you want to talk intangibles too, and, and I don't know if we talk enough about that stuff because that matters. It has value too. Like he bought into Florida state, uh, totally had no issues coming off the bench and busted his ass every game and it paid off. Like he, he might go in the lottery. He was sixth man of the year in the ACC. I, I tend to think Malik Williams from Louisville should have won that award, but, um, alas, like I think that, uh, has to matter that if you, if you're projecting this guy as a role player, like he's, he's, he's going to be willing to, to sat it. Like he's not, um, he, he doesn't think super highly of himself. Does, does that make any sense? Like he, he plays within himself. Yeah. I think his personality fits his game in that, in that regard too. I mean, you just look at his counting numbers, like nine points and four rebounds. And we're talking about this guy going potentially 
in the lottery. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, he was, he was probably playing like what, 20, you know, 22 minutes a game or something, you know, 20, whatever minutes a game. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to project out. He was at 1.8 steals and 1.8 blocks per 40 minutes. Those are good numbers. And I'll say this too, like just a strong vertical defender at the rim um, mm-hmm. in terms of his ability to, 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 to time to time his jump to be able to stop a finish at the rim or force a pass and strong enough to be able to absorb the contact and and also keep his hands high having the the wherewithal the uh the discretion to not want to come down and try to block every shot like he had a, a block rate of five and a half percent but i don't even know if that does his rim protection justice you know what i mean because i think there are just some some shots at the rim that he either influenced or forced a pass that wouldn't have happened if it's, you know, replacement defender beating yeah. the, the guard at the rim or, uh, or whatever. So well, two other things to read off here, one of 10 ACC freshmen going back to 07, 08 with a 5% block rate and a 2% steal rate. Other names on that list include Zion, James Johnson, Chris Singleton, who I think is the guy that gets comped to Pat <laughs> Williams occasionally. Tyler Lydon, another first-round pick, Justin Anderson, and Jonathan Isaac, all of those guys, first-round picks in the NBA draft. Yep. And uh, one of only two Division I freshmen, so going outside the ACC, going nationally, going back to 07, 08, 5% block rate, 2% steal rate, 80% free throw shooting or better. The only other guy was Austin Day, who you may remember from playing at Gonzaga, who played in the NBA oh, yeah. with the Spurs for a little while too. So I think there's a lot to like with Patrick Williams. Like Spencer said, if the Charlotte traded back and was drafting from the middle of the first round, I think he's a guy that you, you circle with bright marker as a, as a potential uh, option. Yeah. But um, I do think if the Hornets are drafting in, you know, assuming they're drafting inside Eight. the top yeah. 10, uh, yeah, I think that's a little, that's like a little early for him. And you can probably find someone with uh, a little more, a little more upside. No, I, I was just going to say, you know, you talk about his block rate being above five. I mean, it's, it's really impressive some of the plays he made at the rim. They were both a combination of strength, but I think some some sneaky athleticism. Yeah. I mean, it's obvious that he's a good athlete, but I, I'm really interested in his measurements. I mean, he had some blocks, and Brian was watching some of your uh, in your Twitter thread on, on Pat Williams earlier today, and the one he had at Louisville, um, <laughs> I, I can't remember. I mean, it was an incredible possession. It was a transition. He picks up the ball, then he scrambles like Florida State always does, and he ends up um, you know, coming from the help side, just incredibly athletic block. So I wonder what that wingspan is. I mean, if he's got a yeah. plus three or four, you know, inch or maybe even more wingspan on a six eight, two hundred thirty pound body, like I, I just think there's like no excuse for him not to be a lottery pick. You know, so yeah, that. And I'm also curious as to. You know, he was he was a freshman, very young player at Florida State last year. He came off the bench, uh, very effective, melted right into that role. What kind of kid is he? You know, like it, it, teams aren't – they're probably not going to have the ability to get the intel that they would usually be able to get or, or maybe they'll figure it out. But is he a guy that's like, I want to be one of the best in the league? Or, you know, you know, like what, what are what are his long term goals? Because you look at his frame and his potential and you say you could be really, really good if we tap into a few things. But kind of where is his mentality? So I'm, I'm interested in in those two things that we, we would usually learn more about from the combine that I think the public, yeah. at least, is not going to be able to know as much about this and year. I, and I think some of those blocks that you guys talk about just look so effortless on his end in, in terms of just getting off the floor and just at the last second blo- making a block from the weak side and. I think mm-hmm. everything on the defensive side of the court for Patrick Williams is not really in question for me. I, I think as a team defender, as a weak side defender, as a blocks and steals guy, he's going to surprise you um, You know, as an athlete. The biggest question I have, Spencer and Brian, is just on the offensive side and can he excel with the ball in his hands? Like that That's my biggest thing with him. Or he's, is he just going to be a fourth option on a team where he is – running baseline to baseline and, and timing those offensive rebounds because he does have some instincts on the offensive glass as well. And kind of back to your point, Spencer, like maybe he just doesn't have that mentality to be the go-to guy and, and you can't tap into that potential because he likes being that role player. He likes doing all the gritty work on the offensive side of the ball, which is totally fine, uh, but I don't know if it's someone that you would want to draft in the top 10 because of that. I, I think his body, his makeup, 
his athleticism, it's all there. Uh, it's just about putting it together on the offensive side of the ball. And he may just be a spot-up shooter and a guy that just is, you know, there for dump-offs down at the dunker spot. Yeah, it's funny because it's just like it, you can look at it either way, which is that I remember I covered Patrick Williams' recruitment. I remember, you know, everyone in the Southeast wanted this guy. You know, hell, he could have come to state and, and taken 15 shots a game and had a 25% usage rate or whatever. He chose to go to FSU and he bought into the system. So I, I don't want to, I don't want to buzz him for, I'd rather give him credit for saying, I'm 18. We got a chance to win it. They literally, they won the ACC this year. You know, they would have been a, a two or a three seed in the NCAA tournament and maybe gone to a final four. He bought into that. And um, in last week, we actually had uh, Stan Jones, who's the assistant coach for Leonard Hamilton. Um, he came on the Sports Channel radio show. Didn't talk specifically about Patrick Williams. I just sort of mentioned as an aside, like, I was talking to an NBA assistant coach or scout or personnel guy or whatever. And, uh, and this guy from the, the league was saying, Hey, we love Florida state guys because we know how tough they are. We know how willing they are to buy into the system. We know we're going to get a guy that no understands work and how to work hard when he comes into the league. And again, he wasn't speaking specifically about Patrick Williams, but when Stan Jones said that, I thought of Patrick Williams, I thought of Trent Forrest, I thought of Devin Vassell, these guys from FSU that are getting ready to enter the NBA. And there's a reason why that school has, over the last five years, put a bunch of guys in the pros. A, they get great players. Leonard Hamilton gets great players, but like, the culture that they've created in Tallahassee is just, it's like, it's similar to what Villanova and Virginia are doing. They're just spitting out role players for the NBA. Yeah. And, and I, yeah. And I didn't bring, you know, up the, the personality thing is a, is a, is a knock on him at all. Yeah, I, yeah, I got I, you. I got you. I'm just curious, you know, like yeah. I, I'm curious if this kid, this is a kid that's kind of a, Hey, just what do I need to do to help the team? Or is he somebody who's like, look, I, I think I can be one of the best players in the league because I think mm -hmm. that does that does determine if there is a team in the lottery that's going to take a chance to answer that question is a is a factor to how high he could get. Yeah. So that that's really the only reason yeah, yeah. I, I brought it up. I'm but uh, I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, all right, we need to probably transition to uh, Kyra Lewis Jr. Six three out of Bama, nineteen years old. Kyra Lewis again. That's the story of the game. Inability to stay in front of Kyra Lewis. He is a very fast player in the open floor, and tonight he has been explosive, creating space, making good decisions at the rim. And this was Samir Dowdy's fifth foul. Both Auburn's starting guards have fouled out in this building. So, Spencer, this is your prospect, so go ahead and introduce KLJ. Yeah, yeah, KLJ. Um, so yeah, I mean, you, you, you mentioned a six, three, you know, 170. he's 19 years old. So, you know, a very young player, man, I, I like this kid a lot. I think he's got a chance to pop in the NBA, his quickness and his just flat out straight line speed is, is unprecedented. I mean, it's, it's unparalleled in, in the college game, uh, this past season. I mean, if you squint, you don't even have to squint that hard. If you watch enough Kyra Lewis, you see like shades of of De'Aaron Fox I think um the speed and the burst and the ability to get to the rim and although he has a slight frame when he gets there he's really good at he's not really good I mean he's above average at finishing in there with, with his left and his right hand great extension he can throw it high off the glass uh he's not afraid to to get in there and get knocked around a little bit so yeah, I mean that—that's what his game's built off of. It's—he's a transition monster. Uh, 1.19 points per possession in transition this season, really big number. And Alabama wanted to play fast in general; they just right. wanted to go, go, go. So yeah, I mean that's where his game's built off of. I think he's got some real, uh, some real promise shooting the basketball uh, off the dribble and off the catch. Uh, both of those numbers were pretty good last season. Um, you know, the strokes a, a little bit flat, but he gets good lift. Uh, he's not shy. He would, he will take, he took quite a few threes last year and he shot him about a 36% clip. So, you know, I don't think he's going to be a lights out shooter in the league, but I do think he's going to be able to, uh, to make enough shots where defenses are going to have to respect him. And 
when you get him off the ball, which he did play off the ball a little bit last season, um, you know, with John Petty on that team who needed the ball in his hands every now and then. Herb, and then Herb, Herb Jones. Jones. Yeah. I yeah. love, love Herb, me some Herb Jones, man. Yeah. The, the left-handed uh, assassin. Yeah. So they, they would let Herb Jones run some offense too. So Kira had opportunities to get off the ball and his quickness really, I mean, he, he didn't cut much, but when he did cut, he would get to a vulnerable area of the defense. And when he got the ball there, it was the defense is dead. I mean, he, he's, his quickness is just, he's like an Olympic sprinter. Seriously, he's got that kind of quickness. And when he can use that to unlock things off the ball, whether that's running off a flare screen or just cutting into open space, I mean, that's where I think he can become a real, real, real dangerous offensive player in a backcourt uh, with with another guy like a Terry Rozier or Devontae Graham, just using some bad examples there. But, I mean, he's not just a dominant on-ball guy who needs – Trey Jones needs the ball to pound it and, and run off a ball screen every single time down the floor. But he can play off the ball, and he can unlock some stuff there too. So you just add, you add that in with his, you know, pick-and-roll potential, with his transition potential. Like, this guy could be – pretty close to impossible to guard offensively if he figures it out in the NBA. Yeah, it's very promising that he has good shooting numbers both as a pull-up jumper in the half court, but also as a spot-up shooter. And then, like you mentioned, he's shooting close to 60% at the rim. He's very good at that inside hand layup. He kind of favors that. Very attack-minded, like Spencer was talking about. Wants to get to the hoop. And his athleticism and his shiftiness you know, with the ball in his hands allows him to do that. And it also puts the defense in a tough spot because he is so shifty, he is so quick that they have to back up on their heels a little bit and he can pull up for a shot. So I think on the offensive side of the ball, you know, maybe other than kind of going up against some strength because he does have a frame that needs to be filled out a little bit more. I think that's kind of worrisome. That's the one worrisome thing I see on him on the offensive side of the ball, that his frame is just not there. But in terms of his shooting numbers, like it's 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 good to see that he's shooting both well on ball and off ball, and it just makes the defense in a tough, tough spot. And you made a mention of him, you know, playing off ball and being a good spot up shooter. Uh, and it would be nice if he could play alongside another playmaker like a Devontae Graham or whatever. But I talked about this with you, Spencer, prior to the recording, but I do wonder as a defender, he does a good job of like jumping the passing lanes and getting his hands on steals like that. But right as of now, I only see him able to guard once like that that's just kind of how i see him until his frame fills out that's kind of where i see him defensively but once when he gets his frame filled out and he adds muscle uh this kid can turn into something special yeah he's not like some of the other potential lead guard guys in this draft like hayes or ball that have you know they're just bigger they and they're longer and they have more a positional versatility but he just turned 19 two weeks ago mm -hmm. um he's super young for his his class he's played over 2200 minutes in college he just turned 19 um which is is crazy but yeah he's got to fill out a little bit it's a joke how fast this guy is with the basketball um i don't know if there's a more fun i don't know if there was a more fun player to watch in college this season than, than Kyra Lewis, uh, he sort of showed up on my radar last season because after Avery Johnson left Alabama and they brought in Nate Oates and Lewis opened up and sort of considered leaving Alabama. They believe he actually entered the transfer portal Duke and some other ACC teams like Louisville and, and Pittsburgh kicked a can on him. And then he ended up coming back to Alabama perfect fit right i mean he gets to play with nato to you know we're gonna average 15 seconds in offensive possession we're gonna get it and go we are going to take a ton of threes um it is sort of interesting because even though kyra took a lot of threes this year about 150 his three-point attempt rate actually dropped a little bit he just got to the rim more this year uh 45 of his field goal attempts this season came around the rim um, that's including transition and half court possessions shot 58% on those looks, which is okay. Not great, but 80% of his finishes at the rim unassisted. So this guy has this ability to, to create his own shot and really, uh, you know, get to some good, some good offense around the basket. Good touch. He's, so going, even, he's going by anybody. Like just there's, blur, there's not, dude, a blur. There's not. Yeah. I mean, and it's not surprising that number BG, but you just made me think like, it doesn't matter who you put in front of him. If he if he gets like three to five feet of space between you, him and the defender, he's going by you. Every and 
It's it's nuts. I mean, I, I watched the the Alabama UNC game again uh, from the Bahamas over the weekend, and like, dude, I mean, he just drove past Cole Anthony probably ten or eleven times in this game. Just just fly. I mean, on a couple of them, it was you know Cole didn't have great pick and roll defense, but on the, on three quarters of them, I mean, just just blew right by him left or right. And uh, but even then, after you know, and he's got an elite first step. And he can get by a defender in one dribble or two or three steps or whatever. But it's after he turns the corner going right out of the pick and roll or he blows by someone going left. He's such a threat to do basically everything on the court because right. he doesn't, even though he's going so damn fast, he doesn't just barrel into the help defender. He can throw a lob pass. He can go look opposite wing and throw a laser with his left hand. Um, I, I think he's more comfortable passing with his left hand than he is with his right, but lefty drop passes, left-handed cross-court lasers. He's a three to four level score. However you want to divide up the half court. We talk about this all the time on the podcast and he can pass with both hands too. And with his ability off that live dribble with the touch and skill that he has in that in the final third or quarter of the court to separate. And Richie said, use that inside hand, but he can, you know, Euro step, hop step and get to the other side of the goal and then go inside hand. And like, he just has the ability to separate. I, I'm so pre- impressed with his, uh, his ability to separate from defenders, both 25 feet from the rim and damn near right at the rim too. He's, he's twitchy. He's quick. He has great feet. He has great ankles, the ability to change direction, decelerate, accelerate, uh, you know, go zero to 60 and 60 to zero, like, like that. And he's st- so much fun to watch. Uh, with with the basketball and as now, Spencer said there is a give a and very, take there Brian like I think that he does sometimes get a little bit too quick or too locked in on his game mm-hmm, and he do, mm-hmm. he's a good passer but he doesn't necessarily have the best vision sometimes because he kind of zones in and he did average three and a half turnovers a game he, he's fun to watch but I think that that's one aspect of his game with the ball in his hand that he probably needs to tone down and I'm sure that's going to come with time yeah, I mean, yeah, the turnover numbers weren't amazing, uh, weren't great this year. But when you consider just how much was on him to generate that offense and in, in what was, you know, the fastest power six offense in the country, and, and he was the their primary, primary initiator and creator, I, I, I'm willing to forgive him a little bit for that. But to Richie, to your point, he does make some bad reads and makes some poor decisions. Um, his shot mechanics are awesome. I mean, he's just, a great, he's just got a beautiful shot. He really does. And he can straight up stroke it. 62% effective shooting off the catch, 46% effective shooting off the dribble. And I love his ability because he has that pull-up shooting element to his game. What he can, the way he can freeze defenders who all of a sudden he's dribbling full speed down and, you know, secondary break or transition or whatever. And his ability to like hesitate dribble, like he might pull up is going to get people lunging and he just crosses over easy and is able to get downhill and, and may get two feet in the paint or get to the rim and, and, and finish there. I just, it's such a, a, a cool combination and uh, on spot ups, these are over two seasons at Alabama on dribble jumpers, runners and attempts at the rim. Kyra Lewis, 47% shooting. And on no dribble jumpers on spot up possessions, two seasons at Bama, over 60% effective shooting, 65% effective shooting is sophomore season. Um, so I guess one of the things that I would pose to you guys, though, with uh, and Spencer, I think you touched on this a little bit already, but with Lewis, do you see him as um, like an A1? Does he? Can you, could you project him out as a, an A1 offensive engine, or do you think he makes more sense in like a role that like Malcolm Brogdon had next to Giannis where like, you know, he's playing next to the big, the, the big high usage wing. And, and he's, you know, he'll, he'll run some pick and rolls, but mostly he's a spot up close out beater transition guy, maybe, you know, run the offense when the, when the other guy sits, or do you think he has it in him to, does he have the step to become, uh, to become a guy that is, you know, 25% usage, 25% assist rate inefficient while, while running an offense. Yeah, I mean, I think the the grandest of ideas of him should probably be, um, you know, he, he's your main offensive engine, you know, yeah. because because of his defensive, uh, his limited defensive upside. You know, I mean, if he can put on 20 pounds of muscle, 15, 20 pounds, then 
and sure maybe he can guard twos and, and pickles but i think richie is right that he's he's unless he's going to grow a little bit more and he's 19 years old it's possible you know that he's he's a one position defender right now which is why he's like you watch him play and you're just like why is this kid 19 years old why is he not like a top 15 prospect yeah. but then you consider his the limited defensive upside and I, I think there's no problem for Kyra Lewis being the first option running an offense. I think it's actually a strength of his that he doesn't have, like his usage was below 25 both seasons at Alabama. And then he can play off the ball and doesn't need the ball in his hands at all times. Like I was saying earlier, I think that's something that smart teams will learn to tap into, especially if they have another guard on their team that can initiate some offense. So a few things I wonder about, about Kyra, I, I wonder if he can get a little bit more under control in the pick and roll. He's he's not small. I mean, he's six three. He can he can't see over the top of everything, but he's not five eleven, right? He doesn't need yeah. to have space to see the floor. But he's got this bad habit of coming around his ball screen. He gets into traffic and he leaves his feet when he doesn't need to um, to make Loves these the passes. Yeah. Loves the jump pass, and he's, he's he's really good at it. But it also leads to a lot of his unnecessary turnovers because what he thinks he sees in his peripheral, he leaves his feet, he looks, and now it's not there. Now he's dead, and now he's got to throw it up for grabs. So that's something I would like to see him. Like I brought up this to Richie before we got on here. Like Dennis Schroeder is a short point guard, very quick though. He's so good at getting the defender on his hip, getting into the lane. He's so good in traffic, and he never – leaves his feet to make those passes. You know, to, to me, Kyra could just slow down just a little bit. De'Aaron Fox has gotten better at this too. Slow down, get the guy on your hip, get a foot into the paint, survey the floor, make the right pass. Stay on your feet, get better footwork. I mean, I think that's where he's that's where he's got to develop, and that's probably where we start to learn, you know, is this a, a 25 to 27% usage uh, type of player in the league? But look, I think he's ceiling super high. I think if he checks everything, He's kind of De'Aaron Fox 2.0. I've said it, and uh, and he's like I said about Pat Williams. If he gets drafted in the late lottery, or you know, or even the Hornets d- traded back, I, I would not mind if they took a chance. I, I would still wouldn't mind Kyra in, in the top ten. I, I think he has the ability to be uh, a top ten talent in this class. I'm not. I'm not off that. Like if you. I think if you want to make the case for Maxi as a as a fringy top ten prospect, you can do it for for Kyra yeah. Lewis too. And and I like both of those guys. I like I like Tyrese Maxi um, a good bit. But Spencer, I'll, I do want to touch on this real very very quickly because you brought it up. Um, his ability to cut off the basketball, you see that he, it is his vertical cuts are are. You don't, it's, you know, maybe twice a game, but man, he just darts right into space and all of a sudden he's attacking downhill. Like he's coming off a ball screen. Um, and he does in, in the pick and roll, man, he needs like a, he needs like a summer at the Chris Paul boot camp, um, which is probably done Schroeder and SGA, uh, a lot of help in Oklahoma city this year, but all the stuff you're talking about where he needs to improve and slow down the pick and roll. It's like, you just, you gotta learn, from, like you learn from the master CP's the, the master at all of that. But you see that, that same speed in, in the same anticipatory skills defensively where he, again, he's a liability and get knock him off a spot. Doesn't have a lot of versatility, but he has the, he does have the ability to, break on passes yeah yeah and, he does. and, and you yeah. can see that same you can see that you can see it on both ends of the court when he's cutting into space vertically on offense and defensively when he's off ball when he's not getting caught ball watching and when he's breaking on a play and again if and he can get a hand on the ball if he can get a hand on the ball it's going the other yeah, way yeah you yeah you know and he's, he's a smart gambler too bg you know the last point you know 2.5 steal rates i mean it's, it's fine it's pretty good you know it's not yeah, a when he's guarding, there's a there's a clip against uh, they're playing Auburn at Alabama in a game Alabama won, probably the best one of the season. Daniel, uh, by the way, Isaac Okoro guarded him in that game, couldn't do anything with him. So yeah, um, but he's guarding some floppy action, chasing somebody off a screen, and he you know he's so thin he can get around the screen easily. He kind of jogs around the screen, but his quickness and lower body strength in his legs just it keeps him on the tail. But if he sees that that top of the arc to wing pass, if he anticipates it and he's a smart gambler too he jumps that thing he can almost just grab it with two hands like he's intercepting a football i mean he yeah. doesn't even like he's that quick his first step is it's unlike anything i've seen the prospect in a while yeah. so special player in my opinion i think he's i think he's got a chance to really make it and i think he's actually a pretty safe pick too i think he's got a high floor yeah because of his shot yeah. and his speed 
let's go ahead and rank these guys. I think there might be a slight difference uh, of these three players, and then we'll go ahead and wrap this episode up. I'm going to go ahead and rank my three. Uh, I'm going to go with Kyra Lewis Jr. Uh, as my number one. I just think that his deficiencies or his weaknesses are probably going to be the most easily corrected if you just add muscle. I think that the biggest thing for him is defensively being able to switch across multiple positions and finishing through contact where he didn't have a high free throw rate. Now, I'm going to go with my number two guy. I'm going to go with Sadiq Bey. Uh, I think that for me, even though that he lacks this explosiveness, I trust him more on ball than I do Patrick Williams. I trust him a little bit more to come in and produce, and you know what you're getting with this guy. Now, it might be like a 2A, 2B type of situation because Patrick Williams would be my third guy. I do like everything about his frame, his athleticism. Uh, I just have too many questions about his shot and how he can excel with the ball in his hands. Uh, but again, if he puts that together, I think his his body, his motor, his grittiness is going to overtake Bay. I just trust Bay a little bit more. And so it's probably more of a conservative type of guess. But definitely Patrick Williams has a higher upside than Bay. So those are my one. One, two, three. Brian, let's go to you. Uh, similar, but yeah, Kyra one, Pat Williams two, uh, Sadiq Bay three. I like all three of these guys, but just at different spots. Uh, maybe Sadiq Bay is available uh, early in the second round, in which case I would love him uh, for the Hornets at, at that spot. But uh, no, Kyra, who's one of my favorite players in this class, and, and Pat Williams, who I think is is solid and, and a stud, are are one and two for me. Yeah, I've got I've got Kyra one, uh, Patrick Williams two, and and Sadiq Bay three. Um, you know, like all these guys, you know, in, in different spots, but definitely think that the Kyra is in tier one. You know, I think I would have him as a top fifteen prospect for me. You know, top 20 for Pat Williams, you know, and I think Sadiq Bay is probably like a top 35 prospect. Wow. I guess I'm just not as low on Bay as you guys. And uh, he doesn't wow me by any means, but uh, it just feels like he's a higher-ish floor type of guy. That's but, why the draft is so fun, Richie. One I know, of us gets so to be pro, like this time next year. <laughs> One of us gets to talk about it. Remember, Spencer, when you thought Sadiq Bay was going to be a bust yeah. and he ends up being a top 10 player? That's why this stuff's fun. Yeah. Well, guys, thanks again for tuning in to another buzz beat if you want to support this podcast please go ahead and give us a rating and review on apple podcasts and we will see you guys next time this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently to the untrained ear everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.